You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to another edition of the More to the Story podcast with Forefront Church. We have Pastor Drew Tarwater. Hey, guys. Pastor Darren Enns. Hey I'm just Rob. So <laughs> thanks for letting me be a part of this. I'm filling in for uh, the golden voice, Mike Haynes, for a few weeks here till he gets back. He's probably out there coaching some hockey somewhere in the world. And I uh, just needed a pinch hitter here. So glad to fill in. Thanks for letting me, guys. Glad to have you, Rob. Thanks so much, man. Looking forward to this. So uh, so we're in the book of Genesis, uh, the, the call of Abraham. And you guys have been going through the book of Genesis here for about how long at the church here on, on Sunday mornings? Since so this was week 9. 10. Week 10, and you're in chapter 11-ish, 11B probably? <laughs> yeah, right, 11B to 12A. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if people want to find more of where of the sermons, what's and they could go to their, your guys' YouTube channel, Spotify, wherever they can find this podcast, the sermons will be on there as well, correct? Absolutely, yeah. ForefrontChurch.tv, uh, you, YouTube's got all of our content. Uh, we've got resource guides that will walk you through each week. Um, that'll talk through and each week we've got the podcast that ties into the sermon and the heart is to dive in deeper to topics that maybe we couldn't cover as much or just you know interesting things that can help us grow in our faith no i'm excited to hear this i'm excited to be a part of this i like asking questions and learning a little bit more so um we're starting off with the life of abraham what what should we know that we don't know about the life of abraham in genesis that they talk about we'll start with drew to get us going here yeah, it's really interesting. We talked a little bit about this on Sunday, but Abraham is uh, one of uh, the most referenced characters throughout this greater story that we're talking about from Genesis 1 to the book of Revelation. And many scholars will say Abraham's really the second most important person in the Bible behind Jesus as far as the, the, you know, the people were introduced to. And um, you know he's been referenced over hundreds of times. And we, we kind of joke that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, you've got creation all the way through the Tower of Babel and the scattering of, of the nations and the new languages. And then you have Abraham, his story takes up 10 chapters. And so you have you have almost as many chapters in the life of Abraham as you have from creation to, to, uh, to Abraham. And so that right there just tells you how important he is. And also, if you look, you see Abraham referred to as the father of faith. Um, you see uh, we, we, the, the idea of the, the, the family of Abraham becomes the nation of Israel, the, the line that takes us to Jesus. So he's just such an important guy. So I think it's important for us to camp out and talk about who he is for a few weeks. No, absolutely. There's so many questions, especially because it's even become a pop culture reference a lot with the some songs like, is it like Father Abraham had met, you know. So there's a lot of like, what that, that what's true and what's not true about him. Like, Darren, do you know any good myths about Abraham where people go? Oh, man. I So if, if you've been listening to the podcast, I tend to not uh, speculate and mythicize a whole uh, lot. So I, that, ask, ask Drew that. He's he's the guy who's about the myths. You're not, you're not, you're not, not, not about the myths, but like. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, we, the well, thing is we're, we're trying to figure out like what actually happened, how could it have worked? And, and I, I don't know that. And so I stick with what I know, which is what the Bible, like what, what it says theologically. So that's got, that's my, my, bad. I think two weeks ago, Mike said that I'm like the anchor or something. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to speculate a little bit. I just think it's good to try to fill in some of the color on those things. But, you know, those are those are our ideas, not what God's word says. We just want to be clear. On those. All right, fair enough. So, Darren, what's the, what surprised you about what you've learned in this study about Abraham? Um, so I um, th there's something really interesting for for me that comes with this blessing. So it's in, in chapter 12. It's the really popular thing, you know, I, I, I will do this, I, I will do that, I'll make you into a great nation, as it says in chapter 2. But something that, that I've learned in, in my Hebrew classes at seminary is that there's another option of how to interpret these, and it comes with the type of verb um, that says, I will make you. Um, there's, so right, that, that's, um, it's interpreted as a, as a future tense sort of thing, but Hebrew may or may not have actually had tense uh, like past tense, present tense, future tense. Uh, it's really confusing. Like I've really started to, to dive into it. Um, but what another option to interpret this would be that God wishes to do this. It, it's like his will or desire. Um, so like God, another way to look at this is says that I want to do this. I wish, I desire to make your name great. I, I want to bless you. Um, because what we see here in this moment is that uh, the, the covenant hasn't happened yet. It's almost as though Abraham needs to go through a test or prove himself a little bit, which he does. Like he, he has faith. God has graciously reached out to him first. And so that's the act of grace, the same way that God moves towards us. And, and accepting that and having faith in God is really what we see in this story. As we go on, there's these covenants that happen once Abraham proves his, his faith and he just accepts the grace of God. He takes that step of faith um, and, and really accepts God's gift to him. And then these covenants happen. Interesting there. So then what can we learn from that, Drew? Like, how can we... Yeah, that's a great question. I really love the transition between chapter 11 and 12. Because in chapter 11, you, you get the, um, we, we kind of joked, it's like the bottom of humanity, right? You've got Adam and Eve, mistakes, sin into the world. Um, God, you know, they get kicked out of the garden. Things escalate to the point where um, there, there's a flood and then Noah. And it's like, hey, Noah, here's an opportunity to, to, to make things right and, and raise up your kids the right way. And then that thing escalates to the Tower of Babel. And then now God has to has to scatter them. And now you have one language changed to 7,000 languages. And you get to the end of chapter 11 and you're almost wondering, like, what's God going to do now? People have messed up so, so much. And then you, you get this lineage that takes us to Abram. And now you have Abram. You see God, um, God now decides, hey, I'm going to bless this one family. And I think it's great because we, we talked a little bit yesterday. Abraham had no theological background with God. I mean, Abraham was a, a pagan who lived in a, the country of Ur, worshipped, probably most likely worshipped the uh, Babylonian moon god uh, that was um, you know, in the pantheon of Bab Babylonian deities. And uh, God singles out Abraham and, and Sir Ab Abram and Sarai and says, hey, I'll, you're going to be the family that I'm going to bless and I'm going to make this promise to you. And, you know, I, I love that we, we see in this in this promise that he gives. It's one sided. It's I will. I will. I will. Or as Darren said, I wish to. I wish to. I wish to. 
And you get the idea. I think there's really two big things that come up, Rob, that, that we see for the first time in, in, in the greater story. You get the picture of faith. You get the picture of, of belief, right? And, and how faith is this idea of trusting God, believing his promises and what he says to be true. And you see through the life of Abraham that Abraham doesn't nail it. Abraham's a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Abraham, every chance Abraham runs into an obstacle, he messes up, which is a relief to us that God uses uh, broken people or jars of clay, right? And then you also see this picture of covenant. And when you think of covenant, think of an agreement. And there's two types of covenant, conditional and unconditional. So, Rob, if you and I were going to make a covenant and the covenant was we're going to start a business and you're going to record it and I'm going to bring good content. Well, if one of us fails on that, then it dissolves. But an unconditional covenant is one sided. And that's what we see here uh, with God and Abram is that God says, I, I want to do these things for you. But it's not going to be reliant upon your obedience. It's not going to be reliant upon your talent or your side of the bargain. I'm going to do it. And so you see this promise in Genesis chapter 12, where God says right there in uh, verses um, two, verses two and three, that he says, I uh, want to make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, which which I love that, because if you remember Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, what did they want to do? Make a great name for themselves. Right. He said, let's build this tower so our name will be great. Genesis 12 comes and and God says, hey, Abram, I will make your name great. So again, who is the one that exalts our names? It's God, which we see God do in the name of Jesus in Philippians chapter two. So I just really, really great parallels. And then God says, I will make you a blessing. And so God tells Abram that I'm going to bless you in Genesis 12. And then later on in Genesis 15, we actually see the uh, almost like the, the ceremony, which would be where you and I would sign an agreement. In Genesis 15, we see the very ancient Near East old school way to do a ceremony to sign a covenant, which to us is is very strange <laughs> if you look at it. So and you were saying earlier, like that covenant is like where they cut an animal in half. Is that am I thinking the right thing here? Like that's it. You cut an animal in half and walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I it. That the weekend on my trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Different, different type of covenant, oh, though, right? Different type of covenant. Different type. It was a covenant between me and my heart. So, yeah. <laughs> or your stomach. Yeah, that too. Yes. So, yes. So, uh, Darren, in your studies there in seminary, especially in your Hebrew classes, what's the differences or the importance of the name change from Abram to Abraham? Is there a good? What's What's the importance there? Yeah. So um, the name change. I'm really interested in uh, in Hebrew names. Um, because it, it really gives you a clue of what, um, like what's going to actually happen. So, um, and Drew can, uh, fill some more in on this. I, I wasn't quite ready for this. I need to go, go find it. But, but I think, so Abraham, the, there's, there's two words there, um, of, which means father and Ram, which means many. Hmm. And so the, the, the Abram, um, has, you know, th- this, this idea of the father of many, but the Abraham, it's like father of all. Is that, is that hmm. close, Drew? Am I right there? It's, so it's interesting. Yeah. If you look back, um, so God changes a Abram's name to Abraham as part of this promise. Um, but the name Abraham, Abram actually meant high father. And it's interesting. So scholars will debate 
why did did um so uh, abraham's father did he name him high father as a just a blessing trying to say you know um, abram your life is going to be blessed or those kind of things we, we don't know why he was named high father but we know that god never makes mistakes and so god uses this i think that also teaches lessons and so god changes abram's name which means high father to the father of multitude or to the father of many and sarai sarai's name meant mother hi mother and so actually uh the name changed to sarah means mother of, of multitude so in this promise god changes their name before he ever delivers and i think it's just another way of god reminding us that his promises will come true um and i joked yesterday that another way to say the father of multitude is big daddy but that, that might not be accurate accurate when it comes to the uh the hebrew translation to english so you're saying it should be translated big daddy abe big daddy abe or big big papa <laughs> if he if he was batting cleanup for the rockies that's what his name would be it would be it, he'd, have the, he'd have a notorious big walk-up song with it too right. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting well it's like what do they listen to while they're walking around the desert going to place to place yeah exactly but you know it's funny that name change comes after this covenant ceremony right in genesis chapter 15 and and so this was really interesting to me if you if you you know want to flip to genesis 15 you have god comes to abram in a vision and he and he says hey fear not and abram's like hey i haven't had a child yet but the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So this was this was really the highest ranking official in his house at this point in time. And then Abram was like, you know, God, um, since I don't have any kids, this is going to be the heir. And God says, hey, actually, he's not going to be your heir, but you're going to have a son. And at this point, I think Abraham's 90. So God came to remember Genesis 12, Abraham or Abram was um, 75 when God first came to him. So now it's been 15 years and God has made these promises to Abram, has blessed Abram, but he hasn't yet seen a son. And so God says, hey, Abram, you will have your son. And he took him outside and he said, look up to the heavens and see the number of stars. He says, if you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And, and Abram, it says in that moment, believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And if you flip to Romans chapter four, you see this picture of faith. Uh, and Abraham or Abram at this point believed God. Um, he hadn't seen necessarily the result yet, but but he had this, this faith. And it says that this faith resulted in righteousness. So Abram's faith in God ended up being what made him right with God which is really cool. And then you see this ceremony. And so starting in verse seven through verse 11, you see this um, where it says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And, and, and Abraham says, well, God, how, how do I know that I'm going to possess it? And now you see this covenant. So we see a little snippet of this in marriage, in the marriage ceremony. Uh, but remember, this is ancient Near East. They didn't have handshake deals. They did weird things like cut animals in half and walk between them. So uh, God says to Abraham, should, like them. grabbing each other's thighs or something like that, or like, uh, like make a promise. Yeah, there's another one where you you put your hand under the other guy's thigh to make the deal. And there's even another one where you like give him your sandal, which is an, another uh, old, like ancient Near East custom for <laughs> handshakes are just so much easier. Just, you know, right? you know, fist bumps. And, and Drew, if you ever gave me your shoe, I'd consider it an insult. Be like, man, I, <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Shoes in my car after the gym again. 
Seriously, no kidding. Yeah, oh, but but and this one's really weird because Abraham brings a cow, a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove. So he had to go find a Christmas tree to get a turtle dove, <laughs> and grab Kevin McAllister, and uh, and then a pigeon, and and then this weird thing happened where Ab- Abram goes into a deep sleep, and all those are cut in half. Abraham falls into a deep sleep, which if you notice, anytime God does something, so far we've seen. A man going to a deep sleep. Remember when when um, uh, Eve was created? At, what did Adam do? Went to a deep sleep. So yep. there's something there. And then God his God's what passes through the animals, not Abram. So a two sided conditional uh, covenant would have been they both would have had to walk through it. But we see God makes Abraham fall into his deep sleep, and then God passes through the animals as a as a, it says it as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. So God's spirit is seen now as a, as fire. Um, maybe think, it's preclude to, or Abram, to. Do you think he went through like when he was in deep sleep? Cause he couldn't have been in the presence of God. Like he couldn't have like, kind of like when, it, you know, you see the presence of God, like yeah, I think, Elijah where they fall down and it's just, God's like, Hey, it's just easy if you're taking a nap. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's something to that. Darren, any additional thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Abram would have been awake, you know, he, he would have seen that. And people can stand in the presence of God, uh, but very rarely, like Moses, of course, seeing the burning yeah. bush, and he t- takes off his sandals and got there. Um, but I, I think, I, yeah, something really interesting I hadn't thought of before, Drew, where you mentioned that Ab- uh, Adam fell into a deep sleep when this thing happened to him. Um, so, like, if he would have been awake, would he, he have tried to, to uh, force his way through the animals? Um, like this smoking fire pot, what, you know, what would have Abraham, Abram done or, or who even like, who was there to record this story? Like, were there other people that, that knew how did Abram know that it was a smoking fire pot? Like that's, it's very interesting to me to see how we actually got this story. No, that's a good, that's an interesting question there. Like how we got it, like how it was recorded. Do you think like God probably just said, Hey, by the way, this is how I did it. Or you can maybe <laughs> see the remnants of it. Like, like, Oh, it smells like smoked meat. He must've came through in the fire pot. Yeah, and they woke up and had a barbecue. Drew's favorite spot and like fire and meat. Like clearly, that's where I'm going. Smells like a pit boss. It's been around here. Yeah, like his plastic gloves were laying there still from when he barbecued the ribs. Yeah, I think this was one of those situations where if it was someone like Drew, there he'd be eating the wings from the dove. Like, am I supposed to eat this yet? Like, oh wait, that's why I got to be taking it. Okay, I'll be back. (laughs) Probably God sent quail and not turtle dove with the manna, right? You know, I, I, it's a great question. Now, and this is one of those fun, you know, theological speculations. But I think I imagine, you know, when, when Moses is on the mountain with God and God's giving him the law and God's speaking to him. I think this is probably one of those situations where God is revealing and filling in the details. So they no doubt had had verbal culture of these of many of these uh, things that happened. But I think it's probably one of those situations where God says, hey, let me tell you how I made a covenant with Abram. I did this and I passed through while Abram was in a deep sleep. And I think when Moses writes this in uh, the book of Genesis for us, that's it's coming. You know that that's part of that, that Second Timothy three sixteen. God breathed part of God's word. But yeah, so you, it's really interesting. It's cool that you have now this covenant that God made. Uh, he made a promise in Genesis twelve, Genesis fifteen. He makes the covenant. Um, Genesis seventeen. God changed Abram's name, and then. Let's talk about just an awkward, an awkward subject, just for a quick second. Genesis seventeen at the end. Yeah, <laughs> parental guidance required. I'm not going to use any bad words, I promise. But in Genesis seventeen, you see that God gives 
Abram, and now that he's changed his name, he's now Abraham. God has given Abraham a mark of the covenant. And if you guys remember, the mark of the covenant is circumcision. And can you imagine all of the guys in Abraham's household now? He says, hey, guys, so God has given us the mark of the covenant. It is this. So line up, guys. We're all going to um, grab a knife and uh, make this make this thing real. That had to have been a weird moment. How much wine was used prior to that or after that? <laughs> hey, you know, they probably didn't have any numbing. Probably a lot. I, I would say <laughs> probably a lot. Just, yeah. Ooh, that's a good promise right there. Yeah, but you think about this, and I don't want to go into this too much because this is a family. This is family a, pro, a family program, right? This is a, these are family programs. We want content for kids. Um, but why did God choose circumcision, Darren? If you, do you want to answer this question, or do you want me to? Uh, so I, I have an idea. I wonder if it's the same okay. idea that you've got. So in chapter sixteen, uh, we have the story of Hagar and Ishmael. So Hagar is a slave, um, a servant of Sarai. And Sarai, and Drew talked about this on Sunday, that it seems like we and Abram and Sarai in this moment are trying to hedge their bets, and they're not truly trusting that God's going to give them a son. And so uh, it's a normal thing to do in that culture where if you as a wife are barren, you need to provide a way for your, your line to be preserved. And one way to do that would be to give your, your, your servant to your to your husband to ha have a child with and hope for a son and that's what happened here hagar um was was given to abraham they slept together and and they uh they had a son um and that's ishmael and so um if you think about um how do how do i put this the the way that abram had a son is affected in circumcision if you're picking up what i'm laying down Mm -hmm. um, that's it, it's an interesting thing that the the way in which a man has a son that is affected uh, after they do this thing uh, it, it's kind of an act of disobedience it's an act of, of defiance of trust of faith in God and, and His covenant promise and that's what the act of, of circumcision is and and now that mark um, this story of Abram's a uh, little bit of his his unfaithfulness is reflected in every Israelite male from then on. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's that's a, a very um, you know a, appropriately uh, thought through concept on on circumcision. I think um, another element to this is also when you think about the area of the body that um, is circumcised, it, it's a very uh, Remember Adam and Eve, after they had um, sinned, they saw they were naked, right, and saw their shame. And so there is something very personable, personal about, um, you know, about just um, your um, this, this, you know, kid programming, kid programming, something very personal <laughs> about this area of the body. And, and so I think, too, that as a mark, that is something that's very intimate to you. That's something very personal to you, something that you cannot forget. So if you had a tattoo on your back, God says, everybody tattoo on their back, um, you know, where your nameplate would go on your jersey, you know, the name of God, you're not going to see it. But this covenant now is made. It's an area that cannot be missed. It's a daily reminder, no matter what you do, that that you have this covenant with God. Um, so I, I think there's, there's several aspects to this, you know, Darren, but I, I think, yeah, I think you, you're right as far as this idea of, of how we've drifted from God and God's going to remind us that he is the one that's promised to bring the blessing through the lineage of this family.
But yeah, I just imagine the look on those uh, on Abraham's servants' eyes when he said, "Hey guys, so now we God's asked us to do this and uh, call in the doctor." <laughs> All right, we're gonna we'll, we'll change subjects here just a little bit. Here we'll stay in Genesis. <laughs> but uh, one of the, one of the stories that always interests me and just sort of how Abram would approach it was in chapter thirteen. There were Abram and Lot separate because it reminds me a lot of even David and Jonathan later on in the Old Testament where there's choices being made on, you know, who gets the best option. And like, there's, it's amazing where Abraham just kind of goes, you know, because they, they're in the background, if I'm correct, is like they both, their flocks are growing bigger and bigger and they the land can't support both groups. Their, their people are fighting over who gets access to the water, the grass, things like that. So they decide to split and he lets lot choose. Like what's the significance of that and how that, you know, you know, plays a story in it, what Ab- who Abram's like and how he moves on. We'll go with Darren, I guess. Yeah. So, so I, 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 Drew probably has a bit more insight on this. It's a bit more fresh in his mind, or I've spent a lot of time in Genesis 1 through 11. But um, it's interesting to me the whole relationship between Abram and Lot. Back up in, in chapter 12, uh, God tells Abram to leave his family and go to this new place. And then in verse 4, I think it says, and he, t- he went as the Lord had told him semicolon and lot went with him uh but uh, wait this I, I thought that you were supposed to leave everybody like, oh yeah leave, I never leave your family that. and but lot goes with him and then what happens is lot just causes trouble in canaan so we like they they have to separate um because god actually has blessed him they, they've he's blessed both their families um and both of them become very wealthy in cattle and the land can't support them so um yeah abram lets lot choose um, and he ends up going to going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, which, if you know a story later on in chapter 19, there's more problems being caused by, by Lot again because the place he chose turns out to be incredibly sinful. Mm-hmm. And we almost have another like flood type of cleansing story where fire rained down from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So yeah, the, Lot only causes trouble when, when Abram takes him, takes him when, when they go together. Interesting. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah, I think there's a lot that, that, that's a uh, you made some really great points there. I think with Lot, you do see that that Lot never. Um, so while Abraham did make mistakes and try to hedge God's promises, Abraham believed God and that believed that God would come through and give him what, what was best for him. You, you really see this thing in Lot where a lot was always about himself. Lot was continually choosing what was right for himself. And you see the consequences from that. So I think there is a, a parallel that runs through that when we choose our way over God's way, it ends up leading to heartburn, heartbreak and, and, and broken and brokenness. And so just look at verse chapter 13, Abraham separates from Lot. A lot sees what looks good and lot and rather than saying, Hey, Abram, you're the one, Abraham, you're the one that, um, the God has promised this to you take the best piece. Lot's like, no, I want that. <laughs> Give me the best one. And then immediately in chapter, um, chapter 14, if you notice what happens, lot gets kidnapped in this like overrun of these five Kings that want to uh, go to war with another group of Kings. And Abram, a- Abram has to bring his crew of like Navy SEALs. Um, I'm sure Eliezer was one of them to go rescue Lot and all these things. And then notice this after Abram 
rescues Lot, he meets Melchizedek, right? And he gets blessed. And Melchizedek is the king of Salem. Um, he was the priest of, of God the Most High. And so, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that this could be a Christophany. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a whole. We probably should do a whole podcast on who Melchizedek is. But Abraham comes across Melchizedek, gives him a tenth of everything he has. Uh, Melchizedek blesses Abram, and we see this really great exchange. And all of a sudden, we're like, "Is this Jesus that Abram's talking to?" And so, you know, Abe, you know, Abe says, "Lot, take what you want." Sounds like what Jesus says about the first will be last, and the last will be first. He does that. He gets blessed by Melchizedek, and then. Flip over to Genesis, um, yeah, the later chapters in Genesis, right? And you do see this situation now that Lot is living at city, living in Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, God's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for all of their terrible sin, sexual sin, um, all kinds of just really, really weird stuff going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know, and he rescues Lot out of that, um, and and you just see the choices that Lot makes in that. In that situation, in chapter 18 and chapter 19, just terrible choices. So I don't think Lot ever really understood uh, what the call on his life was. And instead, he kept choosing what was best for him, and it led to heartbreak and ruin in his life. Interesting. All right, before we wrap this up, is there anything we missed that you guys want to touch on real quick before we wrap this up for today? Darren, we'll start with you. Sorry. I, uh, I no, that's fine. Direction. Which way? <laughs> Uh, I mean, there is one thing, maybe I'll run through it fast. Uh, and it, and it, it's where it places like where we are in context of the whole greater story. Um, it, looking at Genesis one through 11, it, it's really the, the origin story. And then we jump in and, and dive deep with one family that then the rest of the old Testament is ultimately about. Um, so there's two parallel stories that are happening. Um, and, and they happen. The first one is of course, after creation, like what you have in the garden. And then the second one starts after the flood, where if you listen to my sermon uh, from two weeks ago, there's a decreation and a recreation. So both of these parallel stories start after a creation type moment. And there are five uh, specific things that happen. So in both stories, as the parallel goes, there's a garden and then there's people to work it. So Noah plants a garden and Adam, of course, is in a garden. After that, it, the whole thing gets messed up and their kids make it even worse. So Cain and Abel, we have that story. And then um, there's this weird thing that happens with Ham and, and his father's nakedness. We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, the third thing is that then there's a bunch of, of, of stories in genealogies. Like there's the Table of Nations in chapter 10. In chapter 5, there's genealogies of Seth. Um, the fourth thing is then the entire earth is filled with evil. We see that in Genesis 6, 1 through 8. And then the Tower of Babel is kind of a reflection of that too, where all these people are evil and they're doing evil things. And then the last thing is that God has to do something about it. Like something has to happen. And so what God does in the first instance is he sends the flood and, and that hits the reset. And then we have the second story. But after that, in the Tower of Babel, the thing that God does is he scatters people. And part of that scattering is Abraham. Because Abraham lives in Babylon, in Ur, which is in southeastern uh, like Persian Gulf area. And he goes then to Canaan. And so it's almost as if Abraham is part of the scattering where where they leave Babylon and then we dive in deep with that. So God doesn't destroy any everything ever again, but he he dives in deep with one person um to which Abram will eventually be the savior or the the person through whom comes Jesus, which is the savior of the nations, which God just scattered. So it's really interesting to see these parallels and and what happens at the end of the, the origin story of chapter 11. No, oh, interesting. Drew 
Yeah, real quick, you know, God promised three blessings or three three promises to, to Abram in Genesis 12. He promised him land in Genesis 12, 1, and it was a specific land. And what we see is that, um, you know, God gives Abram all, all the land he can see in Genesis um, uh, chapter 13. And this will be his gift forever. And God holds that promise true. We actually don't see uh, the, the children of, of Abraham's family, the nation of Israel, take possession of that land until Joshua leads them there after the wandering in the wilderness in Joshua 21. So uh, what, what is interesting, though, at no point in, in the Old Testament history of Israel and even today have they controlled all of the land that God has specified. So there seems to be this final fulfillment of this covenant that we'll see someday. That still hasn't been realized yet, which is really interesting because we're dating Abram back to 2100 BC. And so, you know, now we're 4,122 years later and and still the, the promise is, is still uh, being fulfilled. Second part of that was that Abram would, Abraham would have many descendants. And so we see, um, you know, Abram, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now, and, and all of the, the tribes of Israel um, move through this. And so that promise um, that promise was fulfilled there. But we also see this concept of the seed of Abraham in the New Testament, where anybody who's put their faith in Jesus is, is an heir of Abraham. So all three of us, as people who are saved believers of Jesus, we are now part of that promise. Um, and, and that's why the promise was that we would he would have the descendants that numbered the stars or the grains of sand in the sea uh, are on the beaches of the of the oceans. Um, this beautiful promise of how God is going to do that. And it's not just through the lineage of Jacob and, and the tribes. It's also through uh, it, it's now seen through those who put their faith in Jesus, which is really cool. And then the third promise was a promise of blessing and redemption. And we see that find this promise in the new covenant of Jesus, where Jesus came and restored everything. And we see that in Acts 3.21. And so God has fulfilled his promises or is still fulfilling those promises even today. And as people who are believers in Christ, we are part of this promise too, uh, which I think is great that 2100, year, 2100 BC, a promise was made that you and I are walking in today. No, oh, very good. Very good. Well, I appreciate your insight. I've learned something today. I hope if you're listening that you've learned something today. Pastor Darren Enns, I appreciate your time. Pastor Drew yep, Tarwater. Thanks, Appreciate your time in here as well. And Thanks, Rob. Just like God gave Abraham promises, or a few promises I'm learning here too is one. We'll be back here in a little bit for the next one for next week. And then also the, what we'll figure out is that Adam and Eve have belly buttons. Oh, that's right. Bonus episode <laughs> teaser. <laughs> not really. We're not going to talk about that, but it's always been a question in my head. So, all right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of more to the story with Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns. Thank you so much, guys. And I'm Rob Blasey, filling in for Mike Haynes. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.